Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. What follows is a conversation with one of my favorite people on the internet, Roberta Glass. She has spent a lot of time researching true crime and is my go-to person uh, for when I want to talk about that issue with someone. Uh, We do take a stance that is more tough on crime than perhaps some leftists would in their circles. And so what follows is a conversation about the left, um, also about the censorship and the sort of fascist uh, kind of underpinnings of the neo-left, which is kind of like, to me, a sort of new form of Bolshevism. Uh, hello, one of my favorite guests, Roberta Glass, has joined me to talk about the left because she recently wanted to, I think, maybe just let off some steam. Um, but let's start with uh, the good aspects. What are do you think some of the good aspects that we would traditionally call uh, the moderate left? Like, what what are some of the values that you would think someone on that side would have and that are good? Well, if I say good, I I don't think that these are exclusive, but caring about other people, caring about working people, caring about making things equal, caring about inequality, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly the civil rights movement that was a good good moment for the left mm-hmm. we've had some some good moments uh, i don't know when i say we i grew up on the left mm-hmm. um my parents were activists i always was going being taken to some kind of protest <laughs> one or another <laughs> wow so the good aspect of that for me growing up is that i had an extended family and the woman that my mother got frequently arrested with doing civil disobedience became like my aunt and we spent you know holidays together christmas dinners together mm-hmm. those kind of things so that's a good good quality you meet a lot of unusual and spunky people but i think what i wanted to talk about is that the kind of radical very radical and irrational movement is taking over the left and even taking over what i would consider even the more moderate left like biden's administration has ruled so far radically left and when the center or the center right or the far right responds to it they're not listening because i think there's a real dichotomy in this country where they have you know either your left or your right mm-hmm. and what i was taught i think a little bit or i got the impression that everybody right wing was terrible didn't care about anyone else was sort of selfish even though some of my parents friends were republican but they were considered sort of the exception in some way but everyone else i never really sat down and thought rationally about it that everyone right wing couldn't be a terrible person just statistically but right they have an issue with i think making things into like sort of a monolith Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't want to say that people on the left are also i don't want to say that you know they all think the same and have the same ideas um i don't want to pay i but i feel like they enjoy painting things with a really broad brush you know what i mean mm-hmm. absolutely and i think what happened to me at least i never questioned anything that i was taught i, I went to quaker school until high school well quaker high school and then i went to sarah lawrence college which is about as far left a college as you can go to yeah. and when i started report looking at true crime stories and finding out even some of the really fundamental true crime stories like the Rosenbergs, that was wrong. And this idea that our justice system was somehow fundamentally, systematically evil or unfair by design. (laughs) When I found out that that was untrue, and a lot of the things that I've been taught were untrue. I think there's something about looking at, at, at a true crime story where you can look at the one side, look at the other side, and you know, 
by the end of it, you, you can have an idea, an opinion on it, or you feel that you've found the truth. Mm. And I think when I started recording, recording and speaking out about some of these real, even the West Memphis Three, I would say, is, is um, a kind of now a, a mythology of the left. I know that there are some right-wing people who are West Memphis Three supporters, but not all, <laughs> not all, but most, I would say. And um, my family and, my fr and some of my friends responded very poorly uh, and thought that I was kind of betraying my, my upbringing. So, you know, that's why, one why would you Why would you think, or why would they accuse you of betraying, um, you know, what they stand for? If all you're doing is trying to expose the truth of these, you know, cases, which I guess, you know, they really have infiltrated the justice system. Um, we can mm -hmm. see, you know, very clearly, um, and I should have been more prepared for this, but the guy who was basically raised by, you know, the Weather Underground. Chesa Boudin. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. out there in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, and they're, so they're doing it at a local level, you know, they're getting into these district attorney races and things like mm -hmm. this, and they're not going to prosecute crime as heavily because I suppose that is sort of a leftist value. Sort of. Just before we get into a little bit more about the legal system and how that relates to the left, I think what happens when you get raised in these families, like people would call my house and scream at my father at, at one in the morning, two in the morning, call him a communist. Mm -hmm. uh, when uh, we would have Iraq bumper against the first Iraq war uh, bumper stickers, mm -hmm. at least once our car, our car tire was punctured purposely. Uh, so that get, it gives you a feeling of a very insular feeling that there's them out there and there's us in here. And the, the, those other people who disagree with, and that becomes a family value, right? Because you, you're not really old enough, or I hadn't challenged my parents' values at that time. So it becomes those people are dangerous and scary and we're right. So us against them, which is pretty much a, you know, very, very, I think it's a kind of dangerous mentality. It's pretty myopic, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it, I think it easily villainizes people who you don't even know. You know, if you were to sit down and have a conversation, you might even be surprised at some of the things, you know. I, I feel like it shuts down conversation. It's divisive on purpose. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, insular for sure. And um, uh, so when it goes to the legal system, I think there's a really, I think in general, there is a kind of viewpoint that is just not practical about the world. And the people that they see as little people are the criminals, Where, which <laughs> when you get into it, when you realize how much money is being funded to help these murderers and rapists and not, and they don't seem, I'm talking about the wrongful conviction movement. As right, movement. you're, you're very focused. Interested. Yeah. Right, that's really my interest of, of study. And they are not interested in the drug user, the drug dealer, even the big drug king, kingpin in general. They are interested in the murderer and the rapist, and, the, and especially because it coincides with the, the anti-death penalty movement, the, the, the really dangerous killers. And they see those people as the little people where as when you get into it, you, I think the little people are the victims and the victims' families. Um, they have very little support. There's very little money in the prosecutor's office compared to the amount of money that's being funded into these groups. They're so, I mean, it's so backwards. It's so upside down and wrong. Uh, I don't know how they get away with it. They use all sorts of language, like uh, the person was involved in a crime. Not that they committed a murder. They were involved somehow. Like they were walking by and somehow they got involved. <laughs> somehow. Uh, all sorts of odd language uh, is, is used. Um, 
going, they will use the word they were accused of a crime instead mm -hmm. of use the word convicted of a crime. Um, the language is really interesting. And then when you get into some of the teen killers, they'll use justice involved youth. So instead of saying teen killer, a justice involved youth. So again, once again, someone, a teen who just decided to volunteer and get involved in the justice system, maybe clean up the courthouse on the weekend, something right. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so the movement I think is just the most fascinating, uh, I would call it the biggest grift, the biggest con going on in America and no one is talking about, it. even though, you know, there's all these, this conversation around critical race theory and things that coincide with it. Mm -hmm. But and I don't think people are seeing it, the connection. They won't touch it. Right. They won't touch it. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, I think, several topics that are sort of, you know, taboo to talk about. And I don't even know if there's a lot of awareness of these cases because people, and we've talked about this on a previous show, people really accept the documentary style kind of like HBO, Netflix, true crime situation. They think, okay, you know, that's the truth. And then they just kind of move on. And I think there is a disconnect with moderate leftists and what is actually happening in the world. Yeah, and right now on net, and this is really interesting. You know, um, you're uh, in Philadelphia, your DA, Larry Krasner, his campaign was financed by 75% people who didn't live in the state. And one of those people that financed uh, his campaign was the wife of one of the CEOs of Netflix. And Netflix puts out those documentaries. One is called The Innocence Files. And I'm, I haven't fully looked into it, but from afar, it looks like it was entirely produced by the Innocence Project, just pure Innocence Project propaganda. It goes from uh, one case to the other. And the time it would take me to find the court documents and fact check that thing would be enormous. I'm one, per I'm one person and they put together, it's trending uh, on Netflix. It's one of the most watched things right now. So, I mean, they have mm. so much money and, and it's all, it all goes full circle. So Larry Krasner is really under fire and he's also trying to get Mamiya uh, out. Mm. Uh, he got, he was a, cop killer who's on death row and now he's uh doing life in prison but that's not enough he's getting a new trial and that's all yeah and you can't you can't effort. talk about that speaking of like leftist circles in philadelphia it's even bringing that up and even implying you know that mummy is guilty <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, that's not something you can talk about in leftist circles in philadelphia for sure really it's funny because you know my mother was invited to a free mummia thing in the, I guess the early 90s or the mm -hmm. late 80s and she left feeling he was guilty and it was like I don't know about this <laughs> right and it's funny that she should have that feeling but still I, I still I don't know how she feels we haven't had a full discussion uh it's kind of a little bit of a taboo topic but I, I don't know how she feels about the rest of my work but uh you would think from that she would know I mean, the free mummy is, movement is not of, unlike any other, not unlike the Innocence Project or any of the other uh, wrongful branches. But is there a sort of like a, a willful like ignorance because it might, you know, they, they're kind of like some of the more radical leftists would be anti-carceral. And so it would sort of go against their <laughs> whole uh, idea about that. You know, they want to abolish the police instead of maybe reform the police. and. They don't seem to think so far in the future, like, well, hey, maybe if we do that, it's just going to bring in these really scary privatized forces. And then who is security actually going to be for? It's going to be like a luxury, right? Right. And there, there was some, they were trying to reform the police in Chicago. And I know that the police officers feel that this reform is really awful mm -hmm. uh, and terror. And, and it's funny when people try to reform from the outside. They have no idea what they do or how it's done, and they want to. They know better somehow than the people that do it. Um, but yeah, the, I I don't know. It, yeah, I think there's a big anti-incarceration movement where they they don't want to make the prison systems better. 
I mean, if we put even a little bit of this money in the wrongful conviction movement to making our prison system better and more livable, um, they're not interested in that. They just want people out. They don't want, really, there's a part of this movement that doesn't want anyone in prison, even some of the most scary people. And that is What's a that all very, about? What do you think that's all about? I think it's a anti-establishment, anti-the man feeling, but it's uh, it's a kind of feeling that no one, that these kind of dangerous people aren't going to hurt me. They're not going to hurt my, they don't go that far to thinking about victims. Well, does it come, does it sort of effect. come from a place of privilege then to never have really had to interact with, mm -hmm. you know, a, a certain type of person? Right. Oh, that of society. They don't actually really live, live in, I would say, a more impoverished area that you deal with, you know, criminals like this. And it's also anti-science. They don't believe in psychopathy. So they believe that these people just had a horrible upbringing. They're just hurt. They're just hurt people who hurt others, you know, hurt people who hurt others <laughs> by killing them and raping them. And, you know, they, they see them as hurt little children. It's a really unrealistic fairy tale view of the world and that yeah. they just need a little love and a little help and they'll be fine. And maybe that would be true for a couple of them, but psychopathy at this time it is a condition that cannot be cured. Mm -hmm. Can't be medicated, can't be cured, and is really dangerous. Yeah, I'm not really sure why they try to make me feel bad for people like Ted Bundy or any killer, really. Um, it's very strange. Oh, me. I get that all the time. Un unironically, that I get comments... <laughs> frequently that I'm a terrible person because I didn't speak with enough reverence about a convicted child killer, a convicted rapist and murderer uh, that I'm awful. Right. It's a total reversal of <laughs> so strange. It's such a weird the truth. Word. Right, right. Um so, and then another thing that you wanted to bring up was free speech and how is it being affected? And it seems really recently that they're cheering for a censorship. Shouldn't this be yeah. against what they say or leftist values or what I traditionally would right. associate the, the left that with? Free speech was a great leftist value. And now it's seen, I think it's seen, they see it like people online who are getting censored are just people who are troublemakers, like right. trolls, sort of. Do you know what I mean? That's they're disrupting the conver the conversation. They're really disruptive, meaning that they're not arguing. They're not. It's not that they're giving an opinion that's unpopular. They're disruptive, and that's why they're being censored. But because we share the same opinion. Um, about women's sex-based rights. Yeah. We know, we've had so many friends. Until it happens to you, until you see grandmothers being thrown off Twitter, being thrown off Facebook, being thrown off YouTube. And so it hasn't happened to them. They still hold all the same values that won't be censored. So it hasn't happened to them. It hasn't happened to anyone they know. So they don't see it as dangerous. They just think, oh, well, these are people who are like flat earthers, maybe, and mm -hmm. disruptive flat earthers. Right, like people flat earth, really anti-vax, whatever you want to call, you know, climate that, change denier, any of it, any all, all of, the, of the things that they imagine. Somewhat reasonable people, I think, who have just sort of, like myself, I had to kind of turn away and just, you know, I didn't see their, I, see, I didn't see any congruence. <laughs> Um, there people wasn't who a said lot of the truth. election was there was cheating in the election. Those kind mm. of Trumpers. Yeah, the narrative that they don't like, right? So they'll mm -hmm. villainize the people who are purportedly, you know, um, spreading these so-called narratives. These that are against, you know, what they believe in, which seems to be. I mean, they just they lie all the time now. It's it's actually incredible. Like they. We're saying that that We Spa event was a hoax, which is just wow. crazy to me. 
like some and they and they want to call others conspiracy theorists right but they have this insane belief that that didn't happen for some reason and that it could never happen it could never happen could never happen antifa isn't really dangerous or that's not really a kind of dangerous movement that's taking over yet they're obsessed with what happened on january 6th um despite those people being prosecuted and Antifa just continuing on unstopped, supported even, really. Um, it's it's very odd. I've never lived through such an odd time. So I think it really goes back to, at least cor- someone correct me if I'm wrong, the idea of hate speech. Mm. So if speech can be dangerous, and hateful and like violence, then speech becomes dangerous. So we have now having the wrong opinions and speaking it is is a kind of danger. I think you heard Biden say, talking about people who are giving misinformation about COVID, they're killing people on Facebook, these people, they're killing people. So they're posting that is killing people because they have such influence. They're Facebook. It's almost like influence. we're not all adults that can think for ourselves. It's re- you know, it seems really right. infantilizing, doesn't it? Right. And, I, you know, there's a, a, a big disparity racially that nobody's talking about in who's getting the COVID vaccines. Uh, the black and Latino people are by far not getting it. And instead, it's like, these kind of nameless, baseless people on Facebook are doing it. They're convincing everybody not to get it's Facebook. It's Facebook. It's YouTube. Because that's what um, Jen Pisaki said. I think that I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, his uh, yeah, the press secretary. Press secretary said she wants people who are on Facebook. She wants them off all three platforms. So to just wipe you off the any kind of social media if you post the wrong thing you know meaning covid wise so it starts with covid but this is a very slippery slope you know i mean if you you could argue hypothetically that it's dangerous for people because covid's a dangerous virus uh you could argue hypothetically that this uh, that could be dangerous speech but when does it end where where does it end? Because that and opens the door people, to the next thing. And can, aren't are people really that stupid? Like they can come to their own conclusions about what's right for them. Can't no, they? apparently not. <laughs> apparently not in this game. Okay, if you don't get the vaccine. You're not doing what's right. I'm not. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't. But there's lots of reasons people had it uh, who don't want it. Uh, other kinds of medical problems. You know. I just went to the next sentencing and you could not get in. You had to be in the, in the overflow room if you did not show your vaccine card. So it that is in some ways, and I don't think, I didn't check who was in the overflow room. I don't think anyone was, but we all got out our vaccine cards and, and we had to give them our email address and and show them id and they really studied it so it's it's uh, it's an odd feeling that's certainly an odd feeling and yeah, you show your papers. The, <laughs> yeah really did have that feeling i'm not making i'm i yeah i, I know you're not, not making a on point this. one right one way right, or another right. about it i'm not taking on this i, I right. haven't really even it's a big subject but yeah. i understand i understand from the other point to why you know, New York was really hurt by this, but this is, it gets a little with medical, with your medical information, it gets very, I find it very invasive. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's always, I mean, I think it's a real grab for your privacy. You know, I think that's an ongoing aspect of what we're dealing with these days. And people sort of just, I think being primed to give their privacy away through social media and things like that, um mm-hmm. everyone's just okay i'm gonna overshare and tell everyone everything and it's no big deal if i have to prove that i've been vaccinated or not i mean i feel like that's a very big deal and it's uh scary to me 
and I don't like where we're headed concerning that, but it also seems, you know, just to tie it back into like the moderate left situation is they really want the big government. They want the nanny state, like they're into it. They want censorship and, you know, they want to make sure everyone's had that, you know, the vaccine or whatever it is that everyone else is supposed to do in such a, you know, situation. It's, well, yeah, but if you think about it, if that's your way and your opinion, I, mean, I don't know if I would want this, but it would feel kind of good to say, we're going to have nobody's, say, if I could make it, I'm not saying I would want this, but if I could make it that everybody, nobody was allowed <laughs> to, to speak well of the wrongful conviction movement, say, boy, that would feel pretty good. Just wipe them <laughs> off. I'm not saying I would want that, but I can see the appeal, right? If this is your viewpoint, we're never, we're not going to see, we're not going to sort of be stressed by anyone else's viewpoint. We're just going to have one viewpoint out there. Mm -hmm. and, and you see that a little bit. And I try to watch as much of different viewpoints as I can. I try mm -hmm. to write, watch right wing stuff, some left wing stuff, but it is difficult when you don't agree. <laughs> the viewpoint it does stress you a bit to try to calm down quiet yourself and really open yourself up to listen it is sometimes a challenge but i i try to look at look and listen at both sides as much as i can but we have this kind of division so here's where you go for this news for the news you agree with here's you go for the news you agree with you know like we have these kind of two different and the news on the tv is just so like straight from the biden administration like straight yeah, from yeah it really feels like communist, Ru communist yeah. russia uh, that's how i see it mm. i mean not even uh, and the language that they use is so derogatory to describe even the way that they handled trump was nowhere near cnn nowhere near uh, msnbc nowhere near fair and balanced um, just completely derogatory. I, I'm no fan of Trump, but I've never seen that so much uh, for a president, you know, ever. Why, why do you think they were so, why do you think they had to smear him so much? It just seems so overboard to me. I mean, they found him very dangerous. I think they, there's that word dangerous again. But, but what somehow is murderers and, and rapists aren't. I don't know that Trump is dangerous because um, I, I think because he really didn't in some ways, he wasn't a politician. Right. And there was a kind of lawless feeling that he didn't know what he was doing. And he was so a um, little bit unhinged. And, uh, out I mean, there. all of these, yeah. I mean, I think it's a fair characterization to say he's probably slightly unhinged. Um, He's definitely a narcissist, like, but I just don't know. I feel like the more they talk about him, and we're even doing it right now, it just feeds the narcissistic supply. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. But the so, right isn't. They, they seem to have moved on to DeSantis. They have, the left hasn't gotten, gotten wind of this yet, that the right, there's only a few really diehard Trump fans that want right. him back. Most people have moved on to wanting DeSantis in for the next president. It's just there I've just never heard so much talking about an ex president ever. Uh, ever. Ever. Uh, have you? It just happened. I mean I have checked out of that um uh, well, I my, don't I don't know. My boyfriend is very left left wing, so I, uh, I get this about twenty four I get the Trump news about 24 seven going on here. So I hear a lot of it, a lot of it. And it just goes on and on and on. I mean, it would be like, you know, Clinton left or Obama left and it was just like, you know, granted there is an investigation and there are criminal. So I understand that element, but still, this is a, this is a lot. <laughs> um. Well, it's like they can't move on, you know, it's like, yeah, they, they, it's like they lost their. Well, do you think favorite. a certain portion of them lives in the past? Do you think that's why they have to harp on all of the issues that they harp on that for, I mean, 
I see a, a city here full of different kinds of people and lots of different kinds of people, you know, if we're gonna talk about mm -hmm. race or sex, mm -hmm. are successful because they've done the game right. They did what, you know, the system wants them to do. And so part of me thinks that the left are kind of like, some of them, the more radical ones, are like sore losers in a way. Like, you know, oh, I'm anti-establishment, I'm anti this, I'm anti that. And they just don't, you know, we can talk about material success and what that means in like our society at, at large and how it could be probably better. <laughs> but in a way, I think, like I've been saying, I think the neoliberal kind of idea of life is what's going on right now. Most people, a lot of people have access to things that they didn't have access to, you know, before. I see a lot of progress. And so I feel oh, like sure. sometimes the left almost lives in the past in this way, where they they have to prop up their organizations. You know, they they win these causes. Like I think gay marriage is a good example of that, where you know, and and I think public opinion in most let's say like liberal cities, like if you're a homosexual, it's not a big deal anymore. Mm. Did you right. see the San Francisco uh, gay men's choir? I did yes. performance. I did. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I just keep meditating on this one line when he says, there's this one line where he says, you know, the the theme of it, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is we're coming for, it. it's a tongue-in-cheek thing, the idea that gay men are out to convert your children to being gay, and they're playing on that. So it is, it is supposed to be humorous, uh, but there's this line that, and then there's this other line that we're going to also, we're not, we're going to teach them to be allies and that someone has to teach them not to hate someone like it's not completely out there that it's not okay to be bigoted towards homosexuals in this country it that is somehow we've made no progress on that and the gay men's choir has to teach your children someone has to because it's not you saw gay pride this this year every business, Apple, everyone put up the gay flag. I've never seen such a gay accepting country. Have you? I, I mean, and we, you no, know, I haven't. And we, we've I gone mean, from having one gay character, one or two gay characters on TV to having tons. I mean, it, well, they're not even just right? gay. They're doing the whole, you know, what they call the spectrum. Right. right. And, and so part of the way to prop up this dinosaur these dinosaur organizations to come up with causes that, you know, actually coincide with the uh, medical industrial complex. Like they're all working together now. It's actually really terrifying. <laughs> they're not point. real causes. It's all just right. astroturf and junk science. You know, there's a great article. I always uh, bring up the the trans movement is based on astroturf and junk science. Uh, why the transgender movement is even connected to the gay and let it is not it's not a sexuality uh it, it's and as far as you know if you're against medicalizing children and sterilizing them because they don't conform to societal standards of what's female or male and uh, i mean it, this ideology bizarre. seems anti-left so too so regressive. Mm -hmm. Like it, it doesn't seem like it would, you know. At if we're going to talk about, let's just talk about a Marxist sort of materialist analysis of politics, right? Mm -hmm. Then transgenderism doesn't make any sense to you. It shouldn't. No. It's not a materialist ideology. It's it's basically a new, you know, religion or spirituality. You know, if you believe you can feel like the other sex than you are or even become the other sex is has to be a religion and i think that's one of the reasons why i think also they want to uh, i think there's also great money in it but i think they also want to get to children early mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that they can do an inter a medical intervention so that when they transition fully they look more like the opposite sex so it's more accepted I think that's part of also the agenda, because right now no one thinks. Uh, what is his name? Um, Jazz Biden's 
no. <laughs> Biden's um, oh, the health secretary sec yes, from here, right from from Pennsylvania. Yeah, from What's here. What's his name? Oh no! Don't do this to me. I was whatever. I can I see his face in of, my head. I can see anyway. it too. Rachel anyway. Levine. Rachel Levine. So nobody thinks Rachel Levine is a woman. Nobody no. thinks that guy is a woman because he looks so much like a man in a wig. And I think if you if you can use the puberty blockers, you might and you can look more like a woman, then people will be more accepting because we're a very superficial society. I think that's part of it. That's my, my thought on it. I think it's also huge money. I think that is the bigger drive. And I think there is another element where they, they want these kids early to start making it more acceptable. I think it's also about a larger like transhumanist agenda to uh, accept like just the modification of your body in general. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it too. And yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with being a homosexual other than a lot of, sadly, a lot of self-hating homosexuals are in that cult now. It's um, also this culture of victimhood where now victimhood has mm -hmm. social cachet. It used to be that you had a some kind of trouble that you overcame. The overcoming it part was the part that was applauded. But now just having the trouble of being troubled is applauded and not in just, you know, having that trouble or having that setback is applauded kind of. So when victimhood has social cachet, that, that I find that uh, very concerning. Yeah, they make these, I mean, they do the reversal with like back to your innocence fraud kind of work where, you know, we're supposed to feel like these killers are victims. Oh, absolutely. And um, what is the left's obsession with victims then? You know, I mean, I think initially it made sense, right? Here, there, there are groups of people that were super oppressed, the civil rights movement. We can talk about, you know, uh, segregation and, and Jim Crow laws and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Access to things. Um, but like I've said, I feel like they live in the past because we've progressed so much. You know, I feel like sometimes they're beating a dead horse. Like, I don't know what's going on. They have to sort of invent these weird. No one was talking about transgenderism like 20 years ago. Uh, no. A select okay. few. I mean, yeah, at their conferences and stuff. But maybe was... after you saw World According to Garp, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was Maybe like after a, a night at, at that at that movie, but not really. And it was seen a little as a little kind of ridiculous. And for what it is, that it, it's just unattainable. You, re I, I just don't believe you can change your sex. It, it doesn't make me hateful towards anyone, but I just don't believe you can. Don't believe so, it's possible. So a lot oh. of these moderate leftists are now operating on a premise that's just not based in reality. And, mm -hmm. they'll, and they'll repeat the rhetoric over and over again. They don't even make sense anymore. No, and that's why they've changed the word to gender. We used to have same-sex or, or opposite-sex bathrooms and same-sex attraction and that kind of language. And now they've changed the whole uh, English language to use the word gender. Because gender is mutable, mm -hmm. but sex, everybody knows, is not mutable, not changeable. Mm -hmm. So they've changed that. And as far as, to go back to prisoners, uh, if you think about prisoners, they, they are voiceless. But they're voiceless because they've lost their rights because they committed a crime. Where you lose your rights, you lose your identity a bit, you lose your freedom. And I guess the left sees that as the ultimate loss as a, as a human being. Of, of, um, so that's where that comes from, but it's a punishment. It's a punishment. Um, but if you don't believe that the justice system, I don't think they really, I don't think by and large, most people really understand how our justice system works. Most people yeah. haven't even stepped foot in a courtroom and, um, and fewer people have stepped foot in a prison. So there, there you go.
it's just this kind of the other so you can imagine and put anything on it and i think as americans we love the idea of freedom and the idea of your freedom being taken away from you is the ultimate and wrongly it's the ultimate injustice so there is a kind of salaciousness to it and people are really interested really fascinated and you can make it um you can exaggerate yeah, I mean, people are weirdly obsessed with murderers anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's yeah, a very, was, we live in a very sort of morbid culture right now, I think. I, I was trying, I sent you that um, trial yesterday of the mm-hmm. Uber, because that has to be one of my fears, you know, biggest fears is just to take on Uber and step in a car that's not an Uber, that's a killer. And I thought, what am I looking at this trial for? What am I? It's just somehow I feel that if I watch it, it won't happen to me, or that I can kind of get into my fear and face it. I don't know. There's there, the the high viewing of true crime by women. I think one thing I think women like to solve puzzles, and, and I think that that's very attractive. There's that element, which is never the element that I found particularly interesting. The investic element it's it's a story where uh there's a story element that stories sometimes are very interesting but uh, women who i think there's something about because so many of these crimes happen to women that you could you face your fear looking at the story face yourself you face something really really scary is it also sort of like almost I, I do think, yeah, victim obsessed, like maybe in a way you're embodying that victim or something. I don't know. I just feel like women in the society, as many, uh, as much progress as, as we've made are, are still, you know, at the hands of, of very violent men sometimes, you know, and, mm. and the, yeah, in the Uber cases, that's terrifying because, you know, getting into just the wrong car, is that what happened in that case? I mean, we're yes. a little bit off topic. So she didn't check the license plate. Is that what was he right. really? She just got was, in. It was like, yeah. a, and he was casing her out. And he had um, done a crime similar to this before. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't know about the murder part. I didn't fully investigate the other case. Um but I know that he had some stolen items for someone else who was kidnapped. So I don't know what happened to that kidnapped woman before this case. Um, but it's this, I think also that what I find odd is that while most women are more likely to be a victim of a crime, the identification is with a criminal. Right. What's that? That I don't understand. Uh, I understand the fascination. I understand, but not that. Right. Um, I'm not sure if I can even articulate it at the moment, but I think it has something to do with how women see themselves in this society. Um, But I I can't really... Do you think that there's some power to... Think what I call it is nuzzling up to the brute and said, "I'm going right. to identify with the victimizer. Not, I'm not going to be the victim here. I identify with the other player, and he's wrongly convicted. Or, or is it? I think there's also another element of not dealing with reality when people identify with these criminals and think that they're wrongly convicted because that always has a conspiracy element is key in that because most you know 99.9 percent of the time they're convicted on a lot of evidence so you have to say that like oj like the evidence was planted it was all the police conspiracy you have to have some conspiracy element to believe that oj was innocent right conspiracy mindset when you when you oh just sort of like not in reality you're not in right you're not you're thinking that these that uh, that they if they didn't do this horrible crime 
then someone really awful did. And a lot of times these killers present very normally, very, they're very well-spoken. They're psychopaths, they're good at manipulating. Is it, it's sort of easier to think that they were wrongly convicted than they did it. It's a happier thought sometimes. It's kind of scary to think that they've manipulated these people who I suppose, you know, have good intentions. Um, However, I, I think the entire destruction of what you're saying, like they want everyone to be free. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary to me. That's a scary proposition. No, so that's one element. That's not all of them, but that is, there's one very strong uh, anti, real anti-incarceration move. The people who are very heavily involved, I think, are anti-incarceration in general and then there's people who don't want there's a movement uh there's an organization that says 20 years is enough they don't want anyone to do more than 20 years in prison in america yeah so that means that son of sam killer would be out i mean you know, oh. lots of scary chris watts would do 20 years i mean think about it it's it's pretty frightening thought some of the really scary people and they want to abolish the death penalty and I know Biden wants to abolish the federal death penalty, which I, I think is a mistake. But there you go. Um, is it almost because, like, I mean, there's that old adage of, like, a, a bleeding heart liberal that these people are so sort of full of, like, emotion and, and things like this that they then apply or project their own emotions onto these criminals? You know what I'm saying? Like, they think these criminals are somehow can find redemption or yes. you know they're not necessarily even bad you know they're still human right the humanity aspect that's right that's what sister helen praising is all about um but she i mean I, I, she blew my mind when i when i found out how much she lies by omission or lies directly about the cases of the people she champions it is Sister Helen Frazier, um, Dead Man Walking, that movie Susan Sarandon oh. did is about her. She is a one woman, she's a nun. Mm -hmm. So it's very much connected to the Christian idea that there are no bad, they don't believe in psychopaths. Like I'm saying, she does not, I think if you asked her, I don't think she believes in psychopathy. She mm -hmm. believes that all these people are good. She's getting to their humanity. That's what Dead right. Man Walking is all about. And what is interesting in that movie is it's based on two cases and they had to combine it into one case. So they made this amalgam mm -hmm. of two different really scary cases. And I just find that interesting that they couldn't have picked one and told the truth about it. Because <laughs> yeah, you always make that point. Like if you really want to abolish the death penalty, why don't you find someone who's actually wrongfully convicted? It's very hard and you know they were doing things with um they're also interested in in going back like george uh stinney jr was really uh, i think he was 13 a black uh black boy who got the death penalty and they have now um got gotten rid of his sentence and said he's innocent legally even though he's already been executed many many decades after the fact because he didn't have a fair trial but that's why they that's why his um sentence was um i'm forgetting the word what's the word that i'm looking for was you know doing a commuted know. right am i right. right i don't think it's commuted is it commuted <laughs> i don't know i'm not a true crime um, buff anyway so uh i'll think of it anyway so but he's really was very, very guilty. So now the story is they they did that because he wasn't represented well or to the mm -hmm. fullest extent that he could have been. Not that he was innocent, but now we have a new myth that George C. Stinney Jr. didn't do anything, didn't kill two little girls, didn't do anything, was totally innocent. And because our system was so racist, that that's why he was executed and the rosenbergs it's the same thing don't you think they're having anti-communist sentiment right and don't you think they're having the wrong conversation though i mean the conversation really should be that the money and they're sort of doing the thing that i think is the conversation the money is the thing that is corrupting the justice system 
and right. the OJ Simpson trial is the you know pinnacle of that. Like if you have enough money, it's kind of like a get out of jail. You can pay for all mm -hmm. these lawyers who are very talented and know exactly what they're doing. You know, mm -hmm. um, they, they, and that's not the conversation they want to have though. That's the beginning of the Innocence Project is the O.J. Simpson trial. That's really the beginning of it. And it goes on and on and on. So they're looking to change the laws, make it, make our, really make our legal system very defense, uh, advantageous to the defense, uh, advantageous to criminals. And they consider victims a total burden and they really want to erase their presence altogether. And I believe that they want to get rid of the victim impact statements and sentencing hearings. That's one of their goals. They have many. And they also want to put in DAs that are on their team that don't prosecute anyone. And we have uh, these kind of DAs in San Francisco, Philadelphia, Georgia, um, Chicago, that look over wrongful convictions. Obama put up one nationally, a review board to look at the integrity of convictions and Trump got rid of that mm. and because they didn't really find much. <laughs> they didn't wow. find many and they found a couple times that a couple um, experts had overstated their expertise or had testified to more than they should have. But as far as real innocence, actual innocence, um, no, no. So. When Trump got rid of that, that, they were like, look, see how anti-science, he didn't want this DNA innocence project thing, you know, but it was, a, in my opinion, it was one of the best things he did. So. Hmm. I mean, it's just wild to me that I have to agree with people like Ben Shapiro on certain issues. Um, I just had a conversation last night with a real far leftist and she just said, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe that I'm agreeing with these people. You know, she's, she's watching Tucker Carlson every night. So, oh, wow. I, I think that there is a kind of open-mindedness still left on the mm. right or a kind of interest in dialogue that's not there on the left. And that's unfortunate. And well, it seems like the radical, the more radical leftist, which I guess is sort of, I don't know what they believe in, you know, and I, I, I see a combination of Marx and postmodernism there. And this sort of like, we want to tear down everything. And we want to rewrite history because, you know, certain parts of history were told wrong. And that's totally true. <laughs> we could have that conversation. But the way that I feel like they're going about it is super destructive. And I think it's been that it's, it's baked in, you know, and we talked, we touched on the weather underground a little bit, but I, right. think, I think radical leftists have a bit of a violence problem and venerating. Violent yes. Criminals. They, they, well, look at Antifa. It's going on and on. And, and <laughs> you look at someone like Joy Behar in the few, she called Andy. No far right, far right. Okay. Right, far right, because he doesn't like Antifa, and and they scoff at the right for being for being upset about Antifa, which is a a terrorist organization in our country, burning things down, attacking, burn, trying to burn down buildings, attacking police officers, and they're they they don't see anything wrong with that because they're anti because of their name. It's so on a superficial level well they're anti-fascist that's all they are anti-fascist they don't read their propaganda they don't know what they're about and anyone who opposes them is far right right it's very easy again to like make that monolith so this kind of leftist like far far radical left has just infiltrated the mainstream and the more moderate left so it becomes the de facto position and if you don't have it you're you can't talk. You're not right. invited. It, You're censored. So You're canceled. Dangerous. And they violence is violent. I just think it's like have you ever seen um Little Shop of Horrors? Not in a very long time. It terrified me as a kid and I haven't seen it since. <laughs> it is scary. <laughs> I haven't seen it since. But that's what this is like. This is like the 
the plant that will eat us all. Like we know because it's eaten our 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 friends, people we know mm-hmm. on our side of this issue, of uh, the the woman's issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it until it affects you, they they're laughing at. It. They're like, oh, it's just a small plant. What are you upset about? But it will eat. It will eventually start to eat. It will eat everything until nobody can nobody you know until it's really a kind of fascist dictatorship, which is yeah, exactly really... what they call Trump. So here we go, ironic, right? Yeah, I mean they're very interested again in the censorship. So anyone who's on the outside of their party line is, uh, you know, dangerous. Um, and and what that ends up doing is shutting down civil conversation between most people who are centrist i think most people are centrists most people in the united states want to just sort of live their lives and do what they need to do for their families and things like that you know they're not thinking about all of these political sort of games that are going on you know in in some of these circles uh and they'll like my mother just vote democrat blindly won't won't even think about it um it's it's very interesting to me and i don't know what's going to happen but i feel like we're heading towards a really scary time um everything from the vaccination id cards to the censorship on facebook to just the outright lies of of about our police force about our legal system <sighs> so and and, and, and violence in, in your city and in mine is going up and up yeah and so it, it's like it has to reach an incredible disastrous state of of violence before it becomes a, an issue you think we're sort of it's like a parallel of like the late 60s early 70s kind of situation even the gas prices are <laughs> it does seem like that it does seem like that and that's how we started getting or even the '90s, where how we started to get these really tough on crime bills because we really suffered. Yeah. With these soft on crime people going in and out of prison, doing a few years um, for for murder, and and coming right back and doing it again. So, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but maybe it's just a sort of a cycle that you know. Maybe it's almost inevitable, just this sort of pendulum kind of swinging back and forth. I have no idea. Um, But, yeah. It's interesting that they talk about us being the most incarcerated country, but they don't want to deal with the kind of drug laws so much as as at least the really dangerous people. Nonviolent offenders, they're they're not interested so much in Jack. Really, yeah. Where's the where's the movement? Yeah, for all of the people who are just in there on like kind of like nonviolent, you know. Uh-huh. It's just interesting that Ava DuVernay did thirteen about how incarceration is slavery, and then she does this fictional take, fictional take, very fictional in the Central Park Five case. Yeah, completely fictional. And but then that infects the rest of the right. psyche of like the Making moderate. Uh, in fact, yes, it's a myth factory. Indeed, I find that any time, as a rule of thumb, that someone said this happened because of racism or because of this, that they're leaving out a lot of the story, some kind of social problem. This happened because of this specific thing happened because of this social issue it tends to be some kind of mythologized story are those sort of like leave out that detail even though it's important like that story recently of the militia group i think it was in massachusetts somewhere and they were you know Mm -hmm. like a basically back to africa type of black nationalist movement and that was not mentioned in the in the more liberal you know newspapers you know yeah i was like i need to see a picture of these dudes because i think i know what kind of guys they were you know, and I think that's kind of important to the story, but it wasn't mentioned. That's a very interesting thing that's going on, too, is that when someone is out on the loose and they say they won't give, they will just show a video. They say, we're looking for this man. They'll show a video of a black man or, or they won't say or and they won't mention race anymore. Even I mean, if isn't he's that- out on the loose. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, these are identifying characteristics of like a dangerous person that you might want to know about. Right? It's like, isn't there some kind of PC disclaimer they can do? No hate, but we are looking for I'll this. Be on the lookout for, yeah. Right. Hispanic gentleman, he is. <laughs> Five, two. We're not, no, no offense. Jewish man out there. Yeah, I don't know. What are they looking for? <laughs> I, but, my, but the worst one, and we'll just, I guess, because this has just been a topic mm-hmm. on my mind again recently, is the transgenderism issue. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's the worst when they're like, it's a woman, and it is clearly not. Oh, when they attribute, does that? Yes. Yeah, when they attribute these, you Mm -hmm. know, violent males, and they say that they're, I'm like, no, please stop Mm -hmm. this, stop this now. It's just, uh, it's just uh, hiding male violence, hiding male violence, yeah, and making it look like women are committing these crimes. And as women, that's one of the really good things we have. I mean, we don't commit these crimes. We don't commit murder. We don't commit rape. And, you know, massively statistically differences have been. Right. So I feel like we've earned it <laughs> to not be included in that group mm-hmm. and uh, not have our name. It, we, it's embarrassing enough to have but, a few women yeah, like, killers that we do, right? Right. Dodiarius, but- et cetera. Amanda Knox. Amanda Knox, your favorite. She's bringing us all down. She's ruining our rep as a woman. She's she's terrifying on a lot of levels, but um, and really, I I can't believe. I mean, that's a prime example of the mythology that they create with these so-called true crime documentaries. That's a documentary, and also her dad hired a million, put a million dollars into PR before he ever hired a lawyer. So. You know, these murderers sometimes have PR agents. Right. And so it's the money, which, yes, again, is the conversation right. that I really wish they would have. But well, no lawyer is going to say, let's take the money out of the legal system. No, no <laughs> one's going to get behind that. Right. Let's lower our fees. Let's equal, make the system more equal. And that was brought up in the, uh, Keith Ranieri, the Nexium trial, when he was trying to get bail is we can't have the system where someone has their own private security system and their own private kind of bail. We can't do it. We can't start to have two legal systems. This is why I believe what the judge said. I thought to myself, well, I think we already have one yeah. already. And it's it's not that these murderers and rapists can't get good representation because this, you know, a lot of times they get fantastic representation if they've done something really awful and it's... Uh, gotten a lot of press mm-hmm. they get a lot of um really great lawyers representing them so that's not quite such the issue it's the issue when you have a ton of money and you can like oj buy a dream team just mm-hmm. buy yourself you know and i feel six, like the seven, left was lawyers. having that conversation at one point but now i think they've just been eaten alive by like the sort of neoliberal machine and the they don't want to have conversations about class or money anymore. I mean, could we cap out what you could spend on a trial? But then that would cap out what a what a lawyer could charge. And, you know, they work hard. I'm not saying that they're not deserving, but it seems like it would be interesting to see if we could cap out what they could spend on experts and et cetera, et cetera. I've had this criticism from leftists that you're not taking in some kind of social issue. You're not taking in this case. And these cases are decided, they're very, they're done with a lot of care and there's a lot of details, a lot of boring details. It's never because of race or sex or some kind of social issue that the the people get incarcerated. I can stress that any more than I can. I think that's what uh, uh, I, I think that it's very useful for a defense team to have some kind of cause. Um, these innocence campaigns are always attached to a cause. So um, our legal system is very careful. Um, and that's why you can appeal and appeal and appeal and it's carefully reviewed. It goes through court, you know, from judge, you know, to court, to court, to court. So, um, you know, if you're interested, check it out. Go to court. Go find out what it's about. Read the court transcripts. 
look into the cases that the Innocence Projects have covered. Um, really investigate for yourself. Do your own research if you're interested. Um, before and before, especially before you start sending any money to the Innocence Project or any money to any kind of cause, um, any kind of criminal, uh, murderer, rapist cause, look at read their court transcripts. Mm -hmm. Really important. Okay. Or listen to my podcast, but I would, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> well, really actually, before before we, yeah, before we go, are you working on anything that you want to tell me or my listeners about? Um, I'm going to have a new episode out about Robert Marshall soon. Um, Murder for Hire case from 1984. Um, he was on death row. He died before he got um, commuted to a life sentence. And... Uh, that uh, that's coming out soon. And I will have something addressing the propaganda put out by Damien Eccles, hopefully soon about <laughs> suing for the lost DNA evidence, which is his defense team has not turned over the DNA evidence that they said was so exonerating from 2011. Instead, they showed asked to take the Alfred plea. So they did a little sleight of hand there to they pled guilty via Alfred and got out. But now he's saying, oh, they lost the evidence and they lost the DNA, the state, but they tested the, uh, the DNA privately in their own lab. They, they sent it to the, they spent the money, his defense team to test the DNA. They never turned over the results to the prosecutor. Instead, they announced what they were via, where they couldn't be challenged via their PR agency and then took the Alfred. Mm. So that's the way it went down. So they're doing a little bit more snake oil salesman type stuff. So should have an episode about that soon. 